do the work for you. On the BetQL Network. And welcome in. No Joe O the rest of the week. He's off. Hi, I'm Chris Mack. Welcome into BetQL Daily. We are live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash betql, streaming on your Odyssey app, wherever you may be in the world. Take us with you today. A-U-D-A-C-Y, free. Download it today. Of course, on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well, and on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We don't care if we have sponsors. We tell them to go bleep themselves at BetQL Daily. Woo, baby, we're coming in hot. I'm Chris Mack again, in for Joe O, alongside Eddie Egross and Aaron Hawksworth. Good morning, friends. How are we doing? It's Thursday night football time. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. We got Joe Osborne from Covers.com, Parker Fleming, to talk conference championships and college football this week. But uh, how'd our uh, Wednesday night go, Ed? Wednesday night was good. Wednesday night was good. I, I kind of took the day off as far as like placing bets on the on games for that actual day. Already looking ahead to championship week in college football. Uh, the mood is tense around here because of my SMU Mustangs going up against the green wave. So I have to pace myself, make sure that I don't overdo it uh, because I do need to have some semblance of energy by the time we get into Saturday. Yeah, there's nothing like some good old fashioned group of five chaos, Aaron. Uh, and SMU could provide that. Maybe maybe a path to the New Year's Six for Liberty if SMU beats Tulane. This is what everybody's talking about. That and, and your wow. Steelers bet for number one seed in the AFC. I love how you and Von Dalzell, like actual Steelers fans, are the biggest <laughs> haters of that bet. You would think you would be it's the crazy. opposite, but I get it. It's you don't want to believe your team is you don't want to believe your team is good. You don't want to believe Kenny Pickett can do big things. I totally well, get it. I know. They they're coming <laughs> off that rip roaring sixteen point performance in Cincy. Look out. Here they come, M Stellars. Um, but but uh, I had a rough night uh, in NBA. I bet on uh, Jonas Valanciunas to have a double-double. Only six boards, fella. Six boards did not yeah. come home. They were up Jeez. by like 20 points, and he had five boards. And I'm like, oh, he's going to have no motivation to get 10 rebounds now. They ended mm-hmm. up winning by 10, and that was like a one-and-a-half-point spread against the Sixers. They crushed them. Yeah, that was, you know, the the late scratch of Embiid really changed a lot of things. You know, those markets all shifted last minute. Um, Mm -hmm. I had Zion 20-plus, and so hit that. Had KD 25-plus in the Suns-Raptors game, but not for the reason that I thought that – well, he didn't end up hitting it for the reason that I thought is because they ended up – the Raptors really dictated play that entire game, and so the Suns' seven-game winning streak gets snapped. Um, but yeah, and then Jokic and Murray come back and the Nuggets play like the Nuggets. So it was an interesting night in the NBA, definitely. But let's start here. Let's start, Ed, with Aaron Rodgers back on the practice field in Florham Park. And this might actually happen, he said, with a question mark mm-hmm. at the end and his voice tilting up. This might actually <laughs> happen. <Don> Burgundy? um what 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 do we think about this is this just Aaron Rodgers doing his Aaron Rodgers thing where hey I'm gonna motivate the boys and I'm gonna prove everybody wrong that you can recover from an Achilles in three months is this is this insane especially given the Jets what 0.4 percent chance to make the playoffs what do we make of Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. returning to practice yesterday oh it's insane all right 
that that we have concluded a long time ago. Uh, not just this process, uh, but maybe the quarterback himself, uh, maybe a little cuckoo. Like it's it is something where we're looking at a medical process that is very much an outlier, and it just so happens to be happening to the guy uh, who always looks at the alternative ways to heal himself or take care of himself, things like that. It is also possible that this is just a, a ceremonious step more than it is anything else. I mean, the Jets can decide after three weeks that Rodgers can't play, and then all of this is just sort of publicity generation more than it is anything else. But it is also possible that Aaron Rodgers may be able to go out there. And what matters here is that, okay, yes, the Jets do have some tough games coming up. But if you're also looking at the games that the Jets may have – when Rodgers is out there, we're talking about the Commanders. We're talking about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's a great defense, but they're not scoring too many points and tons of quarterback issues. And the Patriots. And so it is very possible that Aaron Rodgers can go 3-0 and with the Jets. And if that's the case, it's not going to help their playoff chances very much. They are way, way down in the standings. And it's a logjam up there. There are too many other good teams who are really in contention for the wild card. So... This, to me, has more to do with Aaron Rodgers trying to prove the naysayers wrong. It has more to do with perhaps promoting something about how he did this. There might be some individual motives off the field as to why he's rushing back out there. And I also think that some of this may very well be, okay, let's have Aaron Rodgers out there in terms of working with all of these other receivers who are going to be coming back next year. And so it might be glorified practices, if nothing else. But guess what? We're going to be watching these glorified practices, aren't we? So there is that. But my bigger concern in all of this is the offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers will be terrible. They are 29th in offensive line pass blocking per PFF, 27th in ESPN's pass block win rate. So my bigger concern is if he's out there, how do we know he's not going to suffer another injury of significance? Now I get the offseason is a good bit longer than the three months he's missed. And so maybe he can find the time to get back out there one more time and prove the naysayers wrong one more time. But at the end of the day, this offensive line is atrocious. And I just do not trust my star quarterback to go out there and feel like he can be protected and serviceable enough to make the Jets better this year and next year, Aaron. Yeah, you said it. I mean, my initial thought was, I'm a man, I'm 40. He's going to be 40 on Saturday. I think he wants to insert himself into the news, get some attention that he miraculously came back from this injury really quickly at the ripe old age of 40. Tom Brady's not in the league getting attention for playing at an, a high level at his old age. So now Aaron Rodgers wants the attention on him. And maybe he is selling something. Maybe he did drink some special tea or eat some mushrooms or do something that we don't know about that he wants to promote but I think he likes attention and there's really nothing to play for the Jets are below 500 it makes zero sense even if he does want to get back on the practice field why why wouldn't you just keep it low-key or you know like just be in the building but like why does this have to be the top story today they're not yeah. going to win the Super Bowl right now mm -hmm. and we didn't even we were like is he going to even be good even before the injury, right? Like, Chris, there was no proof that this guy was even going to be good this year anyway.
No, no. And and here's the thing. When we look ahead, like Ed brings up a really good point pointing out who the who the Jets have in the final three weeks when Rodgers would be eligible to come back. But look what they have in the intervening three weeks. By the way, riding a four-game losing streak behind the golden arms of Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle right now. They've got Atlanta, Hell yeah. Houston, and a trip to Miami. No, I'm sorry. They're, if they win one of those three games, I'll be impressed that the Jets have snapped their losing streak and have somehow won their fifth game of the year. But there's no way they win <laughs> two of those games. They would they would have to win at least two of those three, Ed, to get to six mm-hmm. and eight and have an outside shot of running the table and getting in is maybe maybe getting in as a final wild card. And to your point, that's not the offensive line. I want this guy behind who I'm going to pay. What's he getting next year? Uh, upwards of forty million. Um, no, yeah. no, no, thank you. I, that mm-hmm. I am focused. If I'm the Jets, uh, if plus if I'm Robert Sala, it buys me another year. I don't get canned this off season. It buys me another year to say, hey, <laughs> we're all about next year here in Florham Park. It's all about Aaron Rodgers 2024. I, I make up campaign signs, Ed Rodgers 2024. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's no reason to, to to talk about this other than, like Aaron said, Aaron Aaron's great uh, taste and desire and appetite for being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. It is something where, okay, I get the idea that, okay, when you activate his practice window, he can throw to Garrett Wilson now. He's not throwing to random folks within the organization. Now he can throw to the receivers he will be throwing to next year. So the campaign sign, Rogers Wilson 2024, vote early, vote often, (laughs) that will be out there and it will be fantastic. The problem, though, is, okay, is it going to go beyond that? Like, if this is just a move to where Rodgers can throw to actual Jets receivers, then I think this is great. I think it's wonderful, fantastic move. I think my fear is just that it's going to turn into something else or Rodgers is going to be back out there playing. And I don't think this is good for football in general. I think it's good when Rodgers is out there healthy with at least an average offensive line in front of him protecting him. And then we can really see what he's all about at age 40. Anything short of that, I I can't look at the medical miracle story. I can't look at anything else. I'm just looking at someone who is is trying, you know, like you said, Aaron, to be the center of attention. And what I wish would happen is the Jets would come in and say, no, this is nuts. You don't need to be doing this. This is an example, once again, that we have seen this past offseason of Aaron Rodgers calling the shots. And I would hope that the Jets organization would not just let him, that they would actually push back and say, look, in our best interest, this is what we need you to do. And I get that's tough to stand up to Aaron Rodgers because he is a real force, but the Jets do need to do that, and I'm worried they're not. It could also be the New York market, too. Like, we don't know Mm -hmm. what, you know, Jets front office and the coaches are thinking of this. They might be like, this is just New York media running away with this. And, you know, it it might not. Nobody might be taking it seriously, I would hope, in that building. I know we're not. (laughs) But it could be part of it, you know, just being in New York. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. And it's I mean, you talk about the New York media market. That's exactly why Aaron was attracted to the Jets, because, well, it's New York and he knows he's going to be on the back page. Exactly. He knows he's going to be on the back page of the Post uh, and the Daily News every single day. 
I don't know if it's worth bringing up comeback player of the year or not. If he were to actually get in, play a few games and put up numbers. Um, DeMar Hamlin's minus 300 and still the favorite, but not really playing all that much mm-hmm. in Buffalo. Rogers 18 to one right now. I, I don't know, Ed, is that, is that worth a flyer if he actually gets it under center and takes some snaps the final few weeks? How impressed will voters be? Like, it has a lot less to do with what I think is an impressive comeback. And certainly some people right. will go, wow, an Achilles injury, and you were able to come back and actually play legitimate football. Some people will be impressed by this. But I do also wonder if Rodgers has ostracized enough voters just by his conversations with Pat McAfee or the right. political stances he might have, all those things. I think the off-the-field stuff, I don't want to say it'll disqualify him, but I do think it will have voters raise some concerns to where we go, okay, was this absolutely necessary? To be comeback player of the year, is this supposed to be some inspirational story that we can all live by? Like, DeMar Hamlin has that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. DeMar Hamlin is just such a different story that we have seen in the NFL, and it's something that the league can promote, that the media can discuss, hashtag narratives, I think that's a lot easier to talk about than say what Rogers is doing, where even though we might be impressed, I I don't know about you, Aaron, but still like the the hairs in the back of my neck kind of stand on end a little bit where I go, something about this seems off to me. Yeah. I I mean, I was like, what is he taking to get back this soon? Something doesn't add up here, but I also think at the end of the day, if you're a voter, you're taking pen to paper. It's DeMar Hamlin. I've thought this the whole way. Like, how can you look at what happened with DeMar Hamlin and actually think Aaron Rodgers, if he plays, deserves this? And I think there's probably a lot of voters that might not even like Aaron Rodgers that much. He's accomplished a lot. Like, does he need this award too? I think it would be outrageous if he got it over Hamlin. Yeah. We can also knock NFL voters real fast, Chris. Like, we can knock NFL voters in terms of them holding grudges. We've seen this, like, with the Hall of Fame and with other individual awards. True. This is something that we have seen in the history of the league, and I don't want to forget that in terms of this exercise of predicting what they're going to do, Chris. Yeah, no, that's that's it's it it becomes very political, whether you agree with mm-hmm. the political nature of it or not. And I don't mean like politics, politics, Washington D.C. politics. I mean like, do you like this guy or not? It, that's a big part of mm-hmm. it when it comes down to the votes. Uh, a couple other issues that maybe we could talk about for borderline AFC wild card teams, or at least they're both in wild card position now. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, thumb surgery going to miss multiple weeks for Indy Joe Flacco taking backup snaps in Cleveland. Um, he could start against the Rams. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if either one of those makes a big move in the, in the wild card race, the AFC wild card race feeling increasingly watered down though, at this point. What's with these old dude quarterbacks. I mean, I'm actually <laughs> intrigued to see how Flacco looks as someone who covered the Ravens. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the field just for pure entertainment purpose. A nostalgia act at this point, definitely. <laughs> You're listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Check us out on your Odyssey app. And coming up next, Thursday Night Football, a big one for the Seahawks. Can the Cowboys keep it rolling? That's next right here on BetQL Daily. Final seconds of the half, third and nine. Prescott flushed out of the pocket. Looking to run. Dak Prescott is in. Touchdown. 
Yeah, when you have that kind of performance on Thanksgiving, you just grab the turkey leg. You don't even ask first or wait for somebody to give it to you. You just grab it and walk off. Dak Prescott, three of the 18 touchdowns he's thrown in the last six weeks as we bring you back here on BetQL Daily alongside Ed Gross and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski, and we've got Joe Osborne, Covers.com, top of the hour, plus Parker Fleming to talk college football conference championship weekend is upon us a little more than 24 hours away. Parker joins us at the top of the third and final hour as we are here, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific, every single day live across the BetQL network. And, of course, on twitch.tv slash BetQL and the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel as well. But Cowboys, Ed, hosting the Seahawks. Oh, that's a big number. Oh, boy. To nine and a half now after sitting at nine for a while. But we've laid it out. Dak and the Cowboys rolling against inferior opponents this year. Five and one in the last six weeks, during which I mentioned Dak has thrown those 18 touchdown passes to just two interceptions. Averaging about nine yards an attempt, 122.6 quarterback rating. And then on the other side, if we want to make it all about quarterbacks, Geno Smith has gone in the tank the last month and a half or so. He does not Mm -hmm. look like the guy he looked like last year. And Seattle scored three touchdowns in the last four weeks. It's a big fat number, but Dallas at home against an inferior opponent, it's tempting to lay on the gas on this one, even laying the nine and a half. Yeah, it certainly is. And part of it certainly is about the market protecting the teaser opportunities, because when this was at eight and a half Mm -hmm. and even shorter than that, boy, that would have been a phenomenal teaser leg, right? Uh, Would have been a bigger question figuring out what to pair this with. What fine wine do we want to pair this porterhouse with in terms of uh, (laughs) taking the Cowboys down to two and a half, two, something like that? That would have been a a bigger question. It it is interesting when I look at my model here, uh, it has Cowboys minus nine. And so the numbers alone in terms of power ratings aren't going to tell you very much as far as which side to back here. Yes, the Cowboys probably are nine points better. And as the line continues to move, maybe there is a little value if you continue to wait and backing the Seahawks, if it gets to say 10, 10 and a half or something ridiculous. But at the same time, we had Matthew Friedman on uh, yesterday, and he touched upon this idea that I have been backing for some time now. I think it's really important to uh, discuss this. By the way, check out our podcast, wherever you podcast for that conversation. But what I did yesterday was I looked at every NFL team and every passer when the win probability per next-gen stats is at least 75%. So maybe the game isn't completely taken care of or in hand, but it's definitely something where one team has a lopsided advantage. So win probability greater than 75%. Dak Prescott has more pass attempts, touchdowns, and the highest completion percentage over expected than any quarterback in the NFL when his team has a greater than 75% chance to win. Also second highest Mm. DPA per drop back and second highest success rate. They want to beat the crud out of lesser competition. And they largely have done that. And yes, you can point to Washington and Carolina and the Giants, but the Seahawks, probably more of a mediocre team than a bad team. I think the Cowboys can do this as well. They're not going to run the football with Tony Pollard and company. They are going to continue to pass once they have a lead because they want to make sure that other targets get theirs. Talking about Brandon Cooks and other guys like that. 
So to me, I think laying the big number is still okay in this scenario, not necessarily because the Cowboys are that much better, but because they are trying to win by more than a couple of scores, Aaron. Yeah, and I even like, to your point, some DAC props, uh, because I think if you do think they are going to win, then you probably need to look at that. The one thing that does concern me is the point you brought up, like the Seahawks slightly above, you know, those other teams that they've just demolished recently. So how will they respond in this situation? Maybe not quite a blowout, but I still expect them to win. I can't, I still kind of think this could be the Seahawks could cover here. Um, I might, I, mm. I, I don't love it, but I like the Seahawks as dogs here. And I'm also looking at um, some Geno Smith props as well. Yeah. Geno's been tough to, to, like I said, the last six, seven weeks when Seattle, Seattle's gone as Geno is gone really like, and, and that's, the story of the last seven games for them, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's been sacked 20 times in those last seven games too. They are three and four since starting the season, three and one. I mentioned just three touchdowns in the last four weeks, but they haven't scored a single touchdown in the last seven quarters. And things don't get any easier for the Seahawks anytime soon. They've got the Niners on deck. They've got the Eagles on deck. I mean, they are fighting for their lives at this point. And sure, they, they wrap up the season with a couple of games, two out of their final three weeks against Tennessee and Arizona, but on the road, games they should win. So they're still firmly in that NFC wildcard race, but this is one they have to have. And I don't know if they if that gives them the the extra the extra immeasurable boost that you need to at least make it a game. I tend to err on the side with Ed here of what the numbers have told me over the last month and a half, which is Seattle and Geno Smith have come back down to earth. And again, I shouldn't say, and Seattle has come back down to earth because Ed of Geno Smith. And that's kind of the way I read this one. And the Cowboys are doing what they're doing because of Dak Prescott. I mean, he's, He's down to eight to one for MVP now. People are talking about who's having a better season or who's playing better right now. He or Jalen Hurts, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, mm -hmm. all of this momentum, this groundswell is coming up behind Dak because he's doing exactly what he said he wanted to do in the offseason, which is limit turnovers, build the offense around me, put it on my shoulders. There's been an offense that's been built on the run game the last few years. No, put it on my shoulders. And that's why they're allowing him, like you pointed out, Ed, with games not necessarily totally in hand, but at least right there in the palm for the taking, they're letting him be the guy who sticks the dagger in teams. And it's fascinating when looking at this offensive evolution for the Cowboys under Brian Schottenheimer and, of course, uh, the head coach, Mike McCarthy, where it's something where they were really conservative was about running the football a good bit more and keeping those passes short and making Jake Ferguson the guy, perhaps even more so than CeeDee Lamb in high leverage spots. That's not the case anymore. They have evolved a good bit more to where they're letting Prescott throw it a little bit deeper, 
perhaps get into tight windows just a little bit more. They're trusting him a little bit more. And to me, that's exactly what they needed to do because conservatism does not work with the personnel that Dallas has. Maybe it works with other offenses and that's fine, but it doesn't work specifically in this scenario. And it's perhaps unfortunate that it took them a few games to figure this out. Maybe look at last season's tape and figure it out that way and not freak out over the high number of interceptions. Some of that was very much random. Also, some of it was that you had wide receiver two, wide receiver three, who you didn't trust. Now you trust just about everybody. And that matters a great deal in terms of diversifying the portfolio where, okay, if CeeDee Lamb is triple team, well, that's okay because you have other guys you can go to. And so if you're looking at, say, props for who will finish with the most receiving yards in this game, things like that, while I think CeeDee Lamb can have a monster outing, I also yeah. think game script suggests where if Geno Smith is struggling, just can't move the ball down the field, and the Cowboys have more possessions, I would not be surprised if it's somebody else who is leading this offense in, say, receiving yards, like a Brandon Cooks like he did a few weeks ago, or someone else of that ilk. I love the CD and Lamb look. I love Dak over 280 and a half. It's only minus 113. Uh, the one Geno Smith I was looking at is rush yards. Nine and a half is the number. He might be running for his life. The only thing I worry about is could we see some negative yardage for him? That's, <laughs> that might that's scare me off thing. of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I'll be honest. I what's what's Gino's passing prop? Like two thirty ish, two twenty nine ish. I think I saw this morning. Um, and he he's he's averaging two forty eight over the last. I, I mentioned the the impotence of this offense over the last seven weeks. Um, they're still they've still let him throw the ball. Now he racked up a lot in that one game against the Commanders, and that defense yeah. is trash. Um, so I don't want to weight the the average too much, but like if <laughs> if they're trailing the entire game, um, if, if they're trailing the entire game, they're gonna have to throw, even if they if that's not necessarily how they want True. to win this thing. If, if they're down multiple scores most of the night, then Gino's gonna have to throw. And so when I look at passing props, Gino, I'll be honest, is an, an attractive one for me at two thirty and a half right now at BetMGM at. Well, Chris, let me ask you this then. If we all believe that game script is going to tell us that Geno Smith will have to pass a good bit more, which I completely mm -hmm. agree with, does that mean we should be stressing rushing yards a good bit more? Because Kenneth Walker is doubtful for this game. Zach Charbonnet, who will probably be the bell cow back, how much do we expect his workload to be? Because mm -hmm. I could see the argument going under his rushing numbers. What do you think yeah. about that, Chris? Yeah, 48 and a half, definitely. I mean, that, that, mm -hmm. that makes a ton of sense. Um, I don't have Charbonnet's numbers in front of me right now for the season week by week, but I don't think I have to have them in front of me to look at that one and think, yeah, it is, it, are, are they going to be able to run the ball against Dallas, mm -hmm. even if they want to? And, and I don't, you know, again, they're going to have to be in a really advantageous position to want to run the ball. I don't see them being in that position. The other thing when we talk about Dak real quick to bring up is that, Jerry Jones is the consummate businessman. He may meddle in personnel affairs too much for Cowboys fans' likings. He may, he, he may think he's a whole lot smarter about some things than he really is. But one thing Jerry knows is business. And Jerry knows if he's going to pay a quarterback 50 mil a year for the foreseeable future, he's going to find out if that guy's worth 50 mil a year. 
And so they have leaned in on Dak and said, yeah, Dak, you want to be the man? You're the man this year. And I don't think Jerry's necessarily walking into Mike McCarthy's office every single week and saying, no, Dak's got to be the guy to finish teams off. But I'm sure he makes his voice heard. He walks around the star out there in Frisco and he lets everybody know what he thinks. And he makes sure Mike knows what he thinks. And he makes sure Dak knows what he thinks. And, you know, he started to lavish some of that praise on him just this past week on the ticket in Dallas saying, yeah, he's been everything we thought he could be. He's this is really the best he's played in his career. Jerry is at the point where he's solidifying in his own mind. Yes, I, I can lay out 50 mil a year for this guy and feel good about it. And that's that's exactly what he wanted to see this year. He wanted to see Dak back it all up and prove that he was worth this massive extension he's going to get, Ed. Uh, Dak Prescott is the greatest quarterback <laughs> in the history of the National Football League. You can mark my words, and then don't mark my words. Yes, he's very much like that. Well, this was the whole thing, though, like with last year and Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you have this running back you've paid a ton of money to, so you're going to use him even though like he was reliable for what three yards a carry give or take like mm-hmm. you couldn't expect him to move the chains on third and ten or something like that like you were gonna get three yards a carry out of ezekiel elliott regardless but you paid him so you better use him really did hamstring this offense a good bit because he was out there and that's why uh you know he was let go uh but Yes, I completely agree with the logic that, look, Dak Prescott is the star of the show, so let's make him a star. But I also Mm -hmm. don't think the Cowboys are unique in that regard. If you pay someone a bunch of money, you want to make sure you get the most out of your investment. Mm -hmm. Another narrative that I thought was funny uh, reading yesterday is DK was uh, scouting Deron Bland. He's like, he has more touchdowns than I do. Another star (laughs) on the Cowboys who's having – a phenomenal season, but I just thought that was funny that DK said that. Yeah, that's the other thing to keep in mind. This Dallas defense is, uh, if, if I'm Geno Smith and I'm trying to get on track and I'm Pete Carroll trying to help my offense figure things out, this is not the week to face this defense and the one I'm going to face mm-hmm. next no. week or the week after that. They are in a bad way as far as finally getting the wheels back on to the offensive wagon. Funny that some of the stuff that we talked about there, uh, BetMGM Insights telling us that some of the most bet tickets are props in the opposite direction. For example, 99% of the money at BetMGM right now on the over for Zach Charbonnet rushing attempts at 12 and a half. Um, a bulk of the tickets as well on Geno Smith under his passing prop at 230 and a half. So there you go. That's why you take the numbers, you, you look at them, then you listen to what we have to say, you spin it around, and you listen to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Of course, you're checking us out on your Odyssey app and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL. Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski, joined by Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth. And coming up next, we go off the board. MILFs are having their moment. What? <laughs> we'll explain next. I, I hope we have an explanation for this anyway. You're locked into BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Chris Mack, Aaron Hawksworth with you. And all I put in the rundown for this segment was in all caps. (laughs) 
MILFs are having a moment, dot, dot, dot. No other information for you. So you're probably all wondering, where is Aaron <laughs> taking us right now? But anytime I see a MILF-related story, I get intrigued. This one <laughs> brought to you by 85-year-old Jane Fonda, fitness queen, I am so excited for this story. She said, quote, I'm ashamed to say this, but if I were to take a lover, he'd have to be 20. Oh! <laughs> wow. I love it. Mm. I love it. I was like, you get it, girl. I mean, I don't know if she has any takers, but she looks fantastic <laughs> at 85 years old. I love the confidence and she's being honest. I have no this... idea the context of this quote uh, brought to you by page six, <laughs> but that was enough for me. That was all I needed to know. And then this on the heels of, the of context. course, the Zach Wilson story. There's also right. some wild rumors surrounding the Blackhawks right now with Corey yeah. Perry and Connor Bedard's mm. mom. So I was like, you know, the MILFs are really having a moment right now. Yeah, this is this requires a different acronym, even depending on what you call your grandmothers. Is it a gilf for a grandma? Is it a, a nana? Does that make it a nilf? I don't know, but we've entered uncharted territory here, Aaron. We have. You're welcome for this. I mean, so I, oh, okay. This two is... questions. T two questions here. Number one. Do 20-year-olds know who Jane Fonda is? Like, I think part of the allure of the intrigue True. is knowing who the celebrity is. And, like, I, you know, I, I teach, and so I'm around 20-year-olds all the time. Every now and again, I just like to drop a little pop culture question prior to class starting, prior to me teaching them, you know, high-level statistics. And I'm always disappointed that I am aging perhaps ungracefully uh, whenever they don't know what I'm talking about. And it could be like stuff like, oh yeah, how do you not know that? No, they're 20. Like they, they, they've had this whole independent life uh, where I go, it's something that I, I, I don't get it. Like, how do they not know these things? But you know what? They've had their own lives, their own childhoods, and it's just very, very different than the lives we've had. And so do they know who Jane Fonda is? That would be my first question. No. Probably not. And then the second thing is like, what do you talk about if you're 85 and, and he's 20? Like, don't you have to have a conversation, like, at some point? I'm thinking Jane well, Fonda doesn't want any talking. She is not looking for like, a cerebral conversation. Oh, honey, just sit there and look pretty. Yeah, just sit there and look good. They may have seen. Oh have you guys God. ever watched Grace and Frankie? Jane Fonda's I've heard of in it. that. I they may, have, they may yes. have seen yes. their mothers watching that show, and perhaps that's their only time they've been exposed to Jane Fonda. Because even their great—I mean, they weren't even born yet to watch those workout videos she used to do. No. I don't even know if their any parents of us may were not have been born yet. for those workout videos. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like. This is this is this is this is what I mean by we've we're in uncharted territory here. This is a whole new level. You talk about Corey Perry and Zach Wilson and all this stuff. We've completely leapt over that hurdle into like we have broken through Grandma. into a different yeah, different pasture. Like this is 
Yeah, I, I I can't wrap my head around this. I need to know context Paul, now. I need I need to know Paul's take on this. Do you think every man should have a little bit of a milf phase in their lives? I would say like. <laughs> I mean, I would say yes. I feel like every 20s-ish guy, I mean, if it's in the cards for you. Yeah. I would say yes. It I'm out. pro. You know, it's, a it's, like a, it's like a young pitcher who has to take his lumps at the AAA level, right? You need that experience builder. You need, a, you know. Bull Durham. You need Bull Wasn't Durham. Sweet. Exactly. I, mean, I was going to say Bull Durham. Yeah. yeah. You need somebody to take you under your wing and say, listen, nuke, you, you can't. You can't, you got to breathe with your eyeballs. Okay. Um, that's, that's, you need that experience builder. Yeah. Aaron and I would go back and forth a little bit when she sent me this story and I, and she was like, I am pro MILF. And I think I would agree on, on all accounts, on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. But again, it, we're, we're not even necessarily in that realm. We're talking about the realm of, oh, I go to the assisted living home to pick her up for our dates. Like that's the 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 realm that we're in now, the guilt realm. But yeah, this is. But I mean, it's an assisted living mansion if it's Jane Fonda. So I mean, <laughs> true, I think true, you, you might yeah. you, you might bite that bullet. But yeah, and I, she uh... might look better than some forty year olds if we're being totally honest. <laughs> Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. I also, By the way, I also Zach like... Wilson's mom is 50 years old. So you're absolutely right, Chris. Like, we're talking about a 35-year age gap between, like, all right. these other stories and Jane Fonda. That, that's, what, two yeah. and change generations? Yeah. Like, it's Jane complete... Fonda could be Lisa Wilson's mom? Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 I, oh, yeah. So... This is, uh, yeah, I, I, thank you, Aaron. Uh, I didn't, this is the story I didn't know we needed to talk about today. <laughs> do this we, is, do we feel like not only having a moment, I feel like, I mean, we're all kind of the same age. Those were kind of the thing around the American pie days. I'd say this is a little bit right. of a resurgence, perhaps. I feel like not that they ever went away, but no, they're come back. They... <laughs> No, they didn't Stay go anywhere. Power. As long as there have been moms, there have been, there have been milfs. Yeah, and kind of bringing it full circle, it's like women are aging like differently. I remember when I was younger, women had to have short hair and like used to had you dress differently once you hit a certain right. age. And now it's like J Lo's in her fifties, mm -hmm. looking phenomenal. It's crazy how things have really changed for women. Like you know. I'm not saying women in their 50s need to wear like crop tops, but it's happening now. Like it's a totally different, you know, the standards of how women can age nowadays and what's acceptable compared to maybe in the 40s and 50s. It was like you had to totally change who you were. And it was like life is over once you hit a certain age. Yeah, there's no more getting the mom haircut or the grandma haircut. Like, there's there's a whole lot more Blanche Devereaux's out there to make another dated reference for everybody that grew up in the 80s and watched Golden Girls. There's there's, there's a whole lot more Blanche Devereaux's out there than there. This is peak Blanche Devereaux behavior right here. <laughs> yeah, my, my students aren't going to know who Estelle Getty is, much less Rue McClanahan. So when we're getting back to I'm uh, for three what my students know. On the three them. people you just mentioned, I'm over. So Man. I'm, I'm even well, behind on Listen, that. Paul, you have a homework assignment, and it's today after the show 
to go watch some Golden Girls reruns. Bl- Blanche was the hot one games. on Golden Girls. Tomorrow. That's all I know. Yes, was Blanche was the. One? She was the. She was, was the, the the. She was the horny one. I think she was the horny one. I was trying to think. Of a, of a, I was trying to think of a different way to say it, but Aaron, thank you for cutting right to the chase. Um, yeah. What, what was it? There was an MTV VJ, like there, there was an old MTV show where like you would take a tour of a celebrity's home or whatever. Oh, Crips, and So they yeah. went to the VJ or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Crips, exactly. And one of them like was just, I can't remember who it was, but he was hilarious. And he had like autographed pictures of different people. And one of them was Estelle Getty. And I don't know if she actually wrote this, but the autograph read, sleep with me, Estelle Getty. And I still think that's the funniest thing in the world. Dang. I wonder if women just get hornier as they get older. What is going on right now? Now, biologically, this is true. (laughs) For women, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. 100% true. The numbers? This is... This is where Mr. I, do have I, I need Professor I need <laughs> Professor Egros to educate us here. Explain yes. to me the quantitative data that backs this assertion up. No, the, the peak age for women uh, to want to explore their options. Uh, it's it's around like mid forties, like you know, around that time. Okay. And so this is actually one of the reasons why this is a dynamic in the first place, because like for guys, it's right around like early twenties, mid twenties. You know, the whole thing is like, oh wow, women mature faster. Well, yes and no. Like they mature faster. We like, regress. and younger than that. <laughs> but regress. then there's like a little lull, and then they shoot back up. In, in the para, you know parabola so yeah like mid 40s is right around the time when like sowing the wild oats uh that's the peak time wow okay wow How diplomatic a a ride for me i'm approaching mid 40s look out young fellas <laughs> about to hit the streets i think what aaron's saying is segment paul yeah. <laughs> yeah this is this is the keeper today I think what Aaron's yeah, right. saying, Ed, is if you You're need a guest professor to come lecture at some point, she's happy to come impart some knowledge on those young men who need <laughs> to learn some lessons. What's the yeah. segment that we have later today? Yay or what is it? Yay or what? GTFO or oh yeah? Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna do we're gonna go GTFO on Aaron guest lecturing for any one of my classes. Aww. Absolutely not. Yeah. The, I would say there's a ninety five percent chance I'll be dating one of your students if that happens. <laughs> for the content, I think we need to make this happen as the executive producer yeah. of the show. Executive yeah. decision, I think. Uh, yeah. Next flight I'm to. I'm trying uh, not to get so fired keep, from. Keep, Keep me away from your students. Probably best for everybody involved. I, I will say though, the class evaluations I'll get at the end of the semester will be top notch, yeah. best teaching mm-hmm. I've ever done. <laughs> Good leadership move by back? you, Paul. We really liked her. Yeah, right. The cool Should stuff. Come back teacher, again? a tale as old as time. You know. Yeah, yeah right. I always liked subs when I was a kid. I never realized that that possibility Why? existed. I guess. Becky oh, Well Daily! Sub once. 
uh, <laughs> continues. Parker Fleming's college, college football analysis coming up an hour from now. And next, just five minutes from now, from Covers.com, Joe Osborne alongside Ed Egross and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack. In for Joe Ostrowski right here on BetQL Daily.